Hi there, I'm William Murray. Welcome to the Service Center. What I want to share about my experience at Four Seasons, and that is about the employee experience and ensuring that you treat your employees the way that you expect them to treat the guests and that the employees are truly at the heart and center of the organization. One of the things I truly love about the hospitality and service industry is that the skills, knowledge, attitudes, and approaches that all go into creating excellence in our field, whether it's in hotels, restaurants, the event space, what have you, these talents are incredibly transferable and they're very much in high demand. In our field, thinking about the human experience becomes second nature. Like, how will guests interpret service? How will employees perceive our commitment to them? How do we take care of people? first. These questions are at the heart of true hospitality, and it's why they're so attractive to other industries. Laura Hengel took her love and passion for hospitality all the way to Paris, France, and to the House of Dior. Laura is the global head of talent acquisition and employer branding at Parfum Christian Dior, where she is committed to putting talent first by prioritizing caring, authenticity, and individualized personal journeys. Prior to joining Dior, Laura was the VP Global Talent Acquisition and Talent Management with the Corps, with over 12 years of hospitality leadership, from operations to corporate. Spoiler alert, anyone who's had the pleasure of meeting Laura knows that she makes connections with people. She appreciates that everyone has unique skills and competencies and personality traits, and she takes the time to listen and learn. In part one of our conversation, we start all the way back in Thunder Bay, Ontario, with a picture of perfect Canadiana. We explore where to find the best finished pancakes. We talk about the road that led her all the way to Paris. Enjoy part one with the amazing Laura Hingle. As always, my name is William Murray. Welcome to the Service Center. Laura, you're Canadian through and through. Yes, absolutely. Born, born and raised um, in, in Canada. And where in Canada? So I come from northwestern Ontario, originally hailing from Thunder Bay. The Grand Thunder Bay on the western shores of, of Lake Superior. Mm-hmm. So for people who aren't familiar with Thunder Bay and need to capture an image of where you grew up and what it might look like, how would you describe the western part of Ontario? Look, it was such a fantastic place to to grow up. If I was to describe it to someone who had to have some type of reference point or or building an image, it is pure Canadian beauty. So in terms of all of the images, if you Google, you know, Canada, if if you're, you know, envisioning when you close your eyes, it's beautiful mountains, big, big trees and pristine lakes. So just undisrupted wilderness. But at the same time, that is just 20 minutes away from a city centre Thunder Bay is a medium-sized city. It's about 110,000 people at at last count. Historically, it's very important for for Canada and for Ontario as well, given that it's right on top of the Great Lakes. So uh, a a lot of settlers came, um, and, you know, with my grandparents as well, who came after uh, World War II. Um, So certainly a place that uh, is uh, fueled by immigration historically and continues to be so as well. Can I ask where your grandparents came from? So um, I'm a little bit of a, of a mix, like many, many people. Um, so I have uh, largely Eastern European, but uh, Germany, Ukraine, uh, what was Yugoslavia, but uh, now modern day uh, Serbia. 
And just a, a shout out to our industry, because you spent so long in hospitality. I would be remiss if we bring up Thunder Bay and you grew up in Thunder Bay, if I didn't ask the question, what is Hoido? <laughs> Hoido is the the pinnacle, uh, the, the pilgrimage, if you want to go and have great Finnish pancakes. So those really thin, uh, crisp, buttery pancakes is, is the place that you go to to get your fix of that. And you better be waiting for a lineup. A, a lineup. And and as much as anyone will, will try to replicate, there's nothing like the true thing. So you need to go and make sure that you're standing in line on, on Saturday morning to get it because you won't be able to replicate that at your own house. I was told about Hoido time and time again. And when I visited Thunder Bay and we made the pilgrimage, mm-hmm. 110% worth it. Yeah, It's mm-hmm. outstanding. So Midtown Canada, Thunder Bay, remote. And I'm wondering if you ever had visions that you would be living in Paris. To be frank, no, really. I had, you know, like I said, I had a beautiful childhood, grew up there. And when I started my first post-secondary studies, it was in Thunder Bay as well. I went to Lakehead University for, for my bachelor's. And I had in my head that um, I was going to graduate, become a teacher, and likely live in, in Thunder Bay for the rest of my life. But I had a transformational moment. And this is where I had decided. And and so, you know, I say no, but maybe there was something innate inside me that started to surface as, you know, I'm discovering myself in, you know, my early 20s. But I had the opportunity to do a study abroad. And I went and completed a portion of my studies in my bachelor's in Australia. And uh, my parents joke uh, that I pulled out a map and must have uh, looked at the furthest, farthest corner from Thunder Bay, Ontario, of, of where I could go. And uh, and I went to Australia. So in a way, yes, I think it was, you know, inside of me, it was part of me. Um, but it was that opportunity that my university provided for me that then I could make that clear thread to that decision and the trajectory of winding up in Paris so many years later. It's amazing how little changes along our journey change where we end up. Absolutely. At Lakehead, you were studying to be a teacher. You studied education. You studied psychology and history. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I read that and thought this is a foundation for education and training of others. Exactly. And, you know, just going back to this experience, this life-changing experience that I, I had in Australia, it was my first time traveling outside of North America as well. So now I'm, you know, immersed in a new culture where there's certainly parallels and connections to, you know, the Canadian spirit and the Australian vibe. So while there was a, you know, a cultural adaptation, I wouldn't say that there was a major, major cultural shock. It was a nice, a nice transition to experience something new. But again, you know, I had this opportunity now to see life through a different lens, to experience things that I had never experienced before. And this changed where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do in in my life. And again, when I reflect back, when I think back to it, um, it was the moment where I decided that teaching is such a rewarding and profound um, profession, but it wasn't for me. I, I have so much appreciation and and gratitude for those who do dedicate their, their lives to teaching, special people. And uh, I, I realized that, like you said, there there was a connection there was a foundation. There were so many aspects of education and, and psychology, as you mentioned, 
that I was just completely passionate about from obviously the learning and development aspect, but dealing with, you know, sensitive situations, helping individuals find their potential, understanding individuals as unique people with competencies and skills and personality traits and and how those, you know, come together to create an an individual's personality. So I'm, I'm exploring this and, you know, learning so much about myself at the same time and said, how how can I take so many aspects of psychology and education that I love, but apply it in a different context? And again, I'm in, I'm in Australia at this time as a you know exchange student, and I had this light bulb moment of human resources. It's essentially education psychology, but applying it in a in a business uh, orientated environment. So continued on my self awareness quest and decided to complete my studies in education and psychology but then to continue on and do a, a postgraduate in uh, human resources. You refer to this time in Australia as life-changing and, and the light bulb moment. I'd love to know a little bit more about that kind of unpacking as we look back on it. What, what were the components that happened there that were so life-changing? I think, the, you know, it was talking to people that I had never been exposed to before. Because again, growing up in, in a town like Thunder Bay, I had gone to school with the same people. I was interacting with the same people, friends that I had known since elementary school. And now I'm put into an environment where everything is new and I'm having conversations with people who come from different backgrounds, who come from different experiences and who are challenging me uh, as well. And, and, you know, helping me to step outside of my comfort zone. And that's where I was able to see the world around me and to challenge myself um, of who I was and, and what I wanted to do. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, in short, it, it, the light bulb moment really happened through relationships and connections with others. Now, going to Australia, of course, you would have missed that classic Canadian experience of traveling to other places where people hear you speak and say, you must be from Australia. Canadians and Australians get that all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure nobody claimed that you were from Australia when you visited there. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> although I did pick up a little bit of an accent when I came back. At least I, I, um, I was so I enjoyed my experience so much that uh, I wanted to continue to embody that even when I when I came back. Isn't it amazing how people are, can be such sponges yes. to their environment and it changes yep. how they hold themselves, how they dress mm-hmm. and, and what they learn comes through in their mannerisms and how they speak. Yes. And we can talk about it, of course, later on when we get to my experience in a non-Anglo-Saxon country. But you've probably read the study about individuals who are bilingual, trilingual, multilingual. Studies show that they have different personalities depending on the language that they speak. So I think as well, perhaps could as be different experiences in different countries also can contribute to different personality traits as well. I had not read that study, but yes. knowing a number of people who are multilingual, this explains a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you came back to Thunder Bay from your, your light bulb moment in Australia mm-hmm. and finished your degree there. Yes. But soon after, because you, you'd realized HR, human resources, was a direction that you would like to head, you moved to the big city. Mm-hmm. You came to Toronto. Yes. Yes, exactly. And spent some time at George Brown. Yes. How were those studies? George Brown, the the program in human resources is a postgraduate. So you were working with or you studying with peers who have already completed a degree and who were like me that had done something quite generalized, whether it was business, education, psychology, et cetera, um, arts, but had now fine tuned 
their career trajectory, in a sense, in terms of wanting to be dedicated in human resources. So you're really surrounded with um, a lot of, I say, like-minded, still with, of, of course, um, a, a lot of diversity, but like-minded individuals in terms of those who are passionate about human development. And uh, the program was quite intense. It was a one-year condensed fast-track program that uh, covered all of the human resources subjects under the sun. So quite a generalist program, again, c covering all of the different topics and, and functions. But what I think was what, what George Brown um, had done particularly well, and I'm quite proud of to be um, an individual who studied there, like many colleges, universities, etc., a fundamental aspect of their program was the internship component, the internship requirement. And again, when we talk about these key milestone moments in who I am today, what has shaped me into the professional, but also the woman that I am today. One we already talked about was my study abroad in Australia. And then the second fundamental life-changing moment was the requirement to do the internship from George Brown. Again, I can make a direct connection in terms of connecting the dots between the internship and where I am sitting in Paris today. And I want to get to your internship in just one second, but there is something about the journey that you traveled into George Brown from Lakehead that mirrors a similar journey that I took from doing a general degree in university to going back and studying at a college. And I wanted to get your insight or your thoughts or reflections on what it means for somebody to go back to school and study once they've made that choice. What is the difference that happens with you, with your cohort? What do you see in people that's different once they've made that choice to move and focus in a certain direction? Give me a moment. That's very good questions. Give me a moment to to frame. You know, from a high level perspective, it's it's individuals who are dedicated, who are focused, and who are who are pulling on. And this is what I think is is probably most crucial: is they're they're pulling on the foundation of the skills that they learned in in more of a general circumstance and fine tuning those and and using them to to bring value into their future endeavors. So again, when, when you're studying something that, that's general, there's so many foundational skills that, that you get that then can be pinpointed and applied in more of a specific way. So again, I think something about psychology and education, we've, we've just talked about it, is that, that you know at first glance, they're quite general skills, they're quite general degrees, but then we've seen already and we've discussed how that that can then be applied in a very specific career path. I found it very fascinating going back. And I went back in a different scenario than you because I went back with students that maybe hadn't chosen. I came in, I had just finished university, uh, I was married a month later, and I realized I had an English degree and a marriage and no real employable skills. So I could, you know, I could read Chaucer in the original tongue, but that didn't really help me get a job. So I went back to college and I was extremely focused. And I think that that comes with those postgrad studies as well. You go in with a dedication, but it doesn't seem that you had a huge hospitality background. The, the answer is, is no, but yes, because I had put my way through university and college. I, I self-funded my studies and I did this by working in restaurants, by working in bars by working in retail jobs. My first job ever, I was 15 years old and uh, I worked at Tim Hortons. You know, so I think again, well, well, I didn't study hotel management. I didn't study hospitality. 
it was always something again that was part of me so now reflecting back it all makes sense you know and and how i how i ended up coming into hotels um but uh, but yes yeah, so yes and no on a side note i feel like for any of your colleagues in Paris who will be listening to this, and I hope some of them do, I feel like I am cracking open a Canadiana nut here um, in a background that they might not know of somebody who worked in a classic Tim Hortons in Thunder Bay in Ontario in Canada. All we need is is a beaver and a lumberjack <laughs> shirt and we're good. Yes. And if you know, if anyone from Tim Hortons is, is listening, which I, I'm sure we we will cast that as to the audience as well. Is that I would uh, I'm absolutely missing uh, some Timbits and uh, and French vanilla roast. So um, if anyone wants to share that or when I'm back, I'll have to stock up. But definitely miss uh, miss that. Now, we'll move from the classic Canadiana because you went and did your hotel internship. And this starts a whole new path of your career in luxury. And you in 2010, you you joined the Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts. What was it like stepping into the Four Seasons on your first day? I think what's important to the story here is, if I might add this, Bill, because and it's something that you'll hear me when I speak over and over again, is about the importance of choosing a company and not necessarily chasing a job or, or a title. And this is something that has been really a guiding principle of myself and something that I try to um, instill when I speak to particularly students. So like you you alluded to, you know, I didn't study hotel management. I, I didn't have, let's say, you know, the classic background in hotels, but hospitality was always part of who I was. But that being said, when it came time to select my internship, I was quite open in terms of industries. I remember being fairly intrigued by, you know, mining, again, Canadiana, uh, banking, retail, et cetera, et cetera. But what was absolutely critical to me was joining a great company. And when I say great company, a renowned company, a recognized company, employer of choice, best place to work, et cetera. And I had actually pulled out Forbes magazine, top places to work. And, you know, they had the list of 50, 100, et cetera. And um, I started going down the list. Number one, okay, uh, do they have an, uh, an outlet in Toronto? And I would pick up the phone and cold call the companies. I came across the Four Seasons. I called and I called the hotel because as we all know, they, the corporate office is, is in Toronto mm -hmm. um, as well. But I think that I was drawn again to more of the operational side, given that I did have the experience in, in restaurants and, and, and bars and being, you know, direct client facing, guest facing type of, uh, of roles in the past. So I called the, the hotel and I, called, uh, I got connected to the human resources department and I said, hello, you know, do you take interns? And they send, send me your resume. And I did. And um, that is how I was able to get my foot into hotels and into the luxury industry. Again, just to really stress that point is that I wanted to join a company that was known to take care of its employees, to treat them the way that they would treat the guests and to recognize talent, develop that talent and move it along. And that was what was critical for me in searching for my first internship. The foot in the door really came from you knocking on the door. But I think your point is, be very particular about which doors you knock on. Yes, absolutely. Because they'll open and you want to make sure that you're enjoying what's on the other side. Exactly. And clearly you enjoyed what was on the other side of Four Seasons because you stayed there for four years and 
you moved up very quickly with them and in just two years were human resource manager. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of time in operations, but moved up there. When you move quickly through a journey, sometimes when you're moving fast and thinking fast, you're picking up things quickly. I'm curious what you picked up quickly as you were moving through the four seasons. Two things, if I may. One, one is more general in terms of my entire experience um, at Four Seasons. Again, it is a company that I cannot speak highly enough. Um, it taught me so much of what I know today in terms of the employee experience. And I do think that it's one of the companies that actually walks the talk, that it's not just, you know, words on a wall. And it's, you know, again, I, I'm just so grateful that I had that experience earlier on in, in my career because it's really set the stage for who I am as, as a leader today. So generally speaking, you know, again, just to repeat a little bit of what I said earlier, the philosophy of Four Seasons is treat others the way that you would like to be treated, the golden rule. And it is true in the way that the company treats their employees. The employees are engaged, feel valued, feel recognized, and in turn, behave that way towards the guests. And that is the you know groundwork, that is the foundation on the success of, in my mind, luxury hospitality, is it putting yourself in, in someone's shoes. So what I learned, again, on a, on a larger scale in that period, what I was absorbing, what I was picking up is treating others the way that you would like to be treated. What I want to share about my experience at Four Seasons is one more holistic, and that is about the employee experience and ensuring that you treat your employees the way that you expect them to treat the guests and that the employees are truly at the heart and center of the organization. And Four Seasons does that very well, and that's something that I learned and something that I'll, I'll carry on with me, and I have carried on with me throughout my career, and it's really shaped me in, in, in the leader that I am. The other experience that Four Seasons taught me, which is, is a little bit more specific, and it goes to a particular situation that was happening at the hotel at the time. The overarching skill that I learned, that I developed, because I think it is a skill that can be developed, is empathy. So at the time, this was, like you said, 2010. For those of you who recall this period, Four Seasons had a hotel that was at Bay in Yorkville. And it was one of the first Four Seasons that was in the portfolio. And the decision was to close that hotel because a new hotel was being built. A flagship was being built just a, a block or so away. Avenue in Yorkville, it was at, pardon me. Avenue in Yorkville was the original. Bay in Yorkville was the, the newly opened flagship. But nevertheless, in terms of uh, where, where it was precisely on the map of Toronto, the point is, is that the original hotel was closing and the new hotel was being opened several months after. So where I learned empathy in that experience is that we were going through a transitional period where the employees, many of individuals who had long service with the hotel, were being considered for new positions at the new hotel. Some individuals came over and some individuals did not. And I remember thinking about from a very theoretical academic perspective on how to sit down with an employee and, you know, understand their career path, understand what they wanted to do. But very, again, very academic, very theoretical, very in my head and very process driven. And I remember having conversations with a lot of individuals and it was a manager who said to me, and he, it's a manager that I, I still um, consider a mentor today. And, you know, he sort of snapped his fingers in, in, a, in a very uh, diplomatic way and said, Lord, take your head outside of the paperwork. Take your head outside of the, the process. Focus on the human side of what you're going through. Focus on 
the experience that the individual is perceiving right now, that the individual is themselves is going through. And that changed everything for me. When I stopped seeing human resources as a process, seeing human resources as an administrative academic exercise, but really focusing on the human element, that was something that, again, has stuck with me and stayed with me for the you know remaining decade uh, plus that I've had in my career. You can imagine, and you lived through this, that portfolio of people, if you were to just look on them on paper, is moving from unit A to unit B. And physically, they're actually not moving that far. It'd be like a family saying, we're just buying a new house in the next neighborhood over. But really, those people are leaving their home. I mean, that's a physical structure that they are intimately connected with. And there's a lot of emotion that gets unpacked with that. I saw every emotion that is is possible. And it is such a learning experience for, for me about emotional intelligence, about being able to adapt your emotions to, to others. And again, what is that? That to me is, is empathy, being able to, even though you might not have the same experience or be having the same experience as someone, being able to relate to their experience and adjust your communication, your body language to them. That also leads and something that you're very well skilled at is dealing with emotion first. So whether it's a customer facing role or an, a, a talent facing role is dealing with the emotion first before you're dealing with anything that's process or logical driven is what is the person presenting me with and what emotional needs do they need to get satiated, feel better, feel comfortable with and then we can get to the meat and the potatoes. Yes, exactly. And to me, that is what the, the definition of luxury is. If we're going to talk about, you know, later on about what luxury is today. Luxury is today is about having the safe space to be able to express your emotions. That is the way that I see luxury today. I love that definition. <laughs> yes. The safe space to be able to express your emotions. Yes. I absolutely love that definition. You left in 2014. You pivoted from, probably didn't leave them, but you pivoted from to a new opportunity and had a new adventure with Fairmont Hotels and Resorts, being manager of human resources for the Americas. There's a pivot point anytime we move from one organization to another. What was the excitement of the new adventure? Yeah, look, it wasn't an easy decision, of course, because as you've heard, and as I continue to rally, um, Four Seasons is just an incredible company to work for. Um, but I was ready for something new. What I can say to you, Bill, is that, of course, each organization has distinct cultures and distinct programs. But at the same time, I didn't feel like I was, you know, completely shifting in, into something new. When I went and moved over into to Fairmont, there was still a commitment to excellence. There's still a clear focus on the employee experience. So from that, I felt that I was being embraced. And my, I remember my onboarding experience, if I can summarize it, just felt like a big hug because, you know, I still had that, was still in, a, in an organization that was so committed to service and to others. I think that the biggest change for me was moving from an operational environment to a corporate environment. Because when I joined Fairmont, yes, I was in a regional scope for the Americas, as you mentioned, but it was a, a traditional office-based role compared to when I was with Four Seasons and I was in the hotel. Because Fairmont was, their head office was based in Toronto. 
It was based in Toronto exactly, but not not in a hotel. And I remember my first days and weeks, and it, it took a little bit of adjustment because I was missing the smells that would come from the kitchen. I was missing, you know, walking past the housekeeping department and, you know, just popping in and, and chatting and sometimes even dancing because that's what you do in, in the housekeeping department and, and stretching and doing yoga and or, you know, walking through the lobby and smiling and interacting with guests. That was, I think, the biggest change, if you ask me, because I'm asked quite a bit, what was the difference between, you know, Four Seasons and Fairmont? From a cultural perspective, from an organization perspective, they're both very dedicated to service. The biggest change for me was moving from operations to corporate. I speak to my students all the time and industry about the value of the physical environment and the service scape. So any of my fourth year students who are listening to this is like, oh, he's on that again. Mm-hmm. But that idea of of wandering through a property with the sights and the sounds and the smells, all of that impacting how you interact with people and, and how you embrace your environment and your role there is really critical. And that you surface that, I think, speaks to the power of it. Yes. And again, to all the job seekers, early career starters, I just also, if there's another takeaway from uh, our discussion, you know, the first one was search a, a company, not a job title. The second, particularly for individuals who want to have a career in in hotel management and and hospitality or another service-related role, just the importance, the value that you get from starting in the operations. Because again, I think back to when I was working in the hotel and the chef would say, hey, Laura, come up to the kitchen and try this new, you know, this new sauce that we're developing for, you know, the new, the new menu. Or I would be talking to the, the stewarding attendant about, you know, what his or her life is like in the day to day. It has helped me so much in in where I am today in terms of really understanding the experience. So again, just if you have the opportunity to work in the operation, jump on it because it will really set up for the future if you have the desire, you know, to work in a corporate or, you know, a corporate type role. Now, in 2016, a lot happened in the hospitality industry. This was the like a two year period of change. And this is where our paths initially crossed. We had Marriott going through a lot of their mergers and acquisitions and Accor going through a lot of their mergers and acquisitions. So anytime that you would speak to somebody from Marriott or Accor or Fairmont or Starwood, there was a lot of fluidity in in how things were. And naturally, you moved in with Accor, which took Fairmont in, and continued your role as manager of talent and culture for both North and Central Americas. Did you see any changes or was that just a smooth transition with Accor and then kind of the next evolution? I would say at the beginning, it was quite a smooth transition. The, the, my day-to-day wasn't impacted too much with the exception of my portfolio expanded again because in the parts of the world that you mentioned that I supported, North and Central America, we are largely Fairmont-based in terms of the scope of brands. So what did change for me was now being multi-branded because before I was solely Fairmont focused, but with the acquisition and then the initial stages of the two companies coming together, my scope expanded to also supporting Sofitels and Novotels. So that was, of course, a different way to work in terms of finding a way to stay dedicated to the brand, to not have brand dilution, but also to be supporting uh, other market segments as well. And I think that, well, not I think, that transition into a core 
led to the opportunity for you to move to where you are now, which is Paris, France, and brought on into their head office as the director of global talent acquisition. Now, before we talk about that, I just want to put a time mark on your line right now. This is only eight years after you were an HR intern. And I have in my notes, I kind of went off on a little thought journey here and said, you don't move this fast up in your career unless you have a couple of key things. Number one, strong foundation of skill. Number two, the ability to build relationships. And number three, being flexible and adaptable. And I would say you have all three. Well, thank you. And if I was to pinpoint on the most, the most important one, it's probably the last one that you said um, in terms of adaptability and flexibility and having a growth mindset. I think that has what has been contributing to my success is about, you know, seeing where there's opportunity to innovate, to create, but most importantly is to do it with others as well to be looking at, uh, at where, you know, where we can go in the future. So really having a growth mindset. Having seen so many industry professionals over you know, my career, when you run into people, I'm just going to heap on a bit of praise and, and then we'll move back to the journey. Having met so many people when we had a chance to first connect, and I believe we had lunch here in Guelph. And I remember leaving that conversation and just something in my gut said, something's happening here with this person. And this will be a fun journey to watch. Well, thank you. And it, it has been a very fun journey to watch. So you move to Paris and pick up and move your, your family there and kind of create a new home. During that period of time, you go from the director of uh, global talent acquisitions to vice president to a slightly larger title, which is vice president global talent acquisition and talent management. What does this type of portfolio look like? What is the scope of the work that you're doing at this level? Great question. So again, I think what will help is for me to make the link to all of the experiences that we've already touched on before. So Four Seasons was in a hotel, was completely operational human resources. You do everything. You do everything from onboarding, recruitment, training, employee relations. So it's a completely well-rounded role but um, completely operational to when I moved to Fairmont for the Americas, which was to me the sweet spot, uh, if I may, when you're in a regional team, because you still have operational elements. You still have your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the hotels because you're supporting them quite directly. But there's also a strategic element as well. So it's really that beautiful middle ground between strategy and, and operations. So my role when I moved to Paris for a core on the global scale, it now has evolved and shifted to pure vision and strategy. But I couldn't do what I did in that capacity if I didn't have those experiences before of operational and operational strategy mix. So, so very critical to, to have had that foundation. You know, and I, what I want to share as well, because we talk about the 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 criteria for success and in, in my journey um and, and you know part of it was also um being open to to new experiences um so i think that what i want to share with you is how i came to paris because it's um it's an important story for me to share just how, how i came to paris and um you know the leadership that i appreciate and that i try to emulate so 
in late 2017, I was invited to a conference, a global conference in, in Paris for diversity and inclusion. Okay, I'm coming from Toronto and, and coming to attend the conference representing, again, the North America region. And the chief human resources officer of Accor at the time had found out that my name was on the list of people who would be attending the, the conference. And I had met her once or twice in the initial stages of the, the acquisition of, of Fairmont by Accor. So we had um, somewhat of a relationship, but very um, preliminary, let's say. But to me, you know, she's just the definition of, uh, of a leader. And, and the reason why I say that is, again, there was quite a big spread at the time between her role as chief human resources officer and my role as manager of HR in, in, in a region. But nevertheless, she found out that I was coming and she said, let's have coffee together. And I remember just thinking, wow, the chief human resources officer of this major company is open to sitting down with me. And of course, I felt valued. I felt appreciated. I was excited. I was nervous. All, all of the emotions that, that you can think of. But when we think about leadership, taking the time to sit down and have a conversation with someone has the impact to change someone's life. And it did end up changing my life. So when we think about, you know, these C-suite individuals who seem so far away, they seem so, you know, uh, unreachable. She is the definition of someone who, who didn't see hierarchy, who saw people as people. And I remember we sat down and what was meant to be a, I think, 30, 45 minute discussion. We lost track of time and we're nearly talking for, for two hours. But she said to me, what do you want to do in, in your career, you know, in the future? And I said, uh, I don't know when it will be, but one day somehow I want to work for you in Paris. And at this time, Paris was not even on the near term radar in terms of, of moving. But it was that, again, when we talk about milestone moments, that was a significant turning point. And I attribute it to a leader who was absolutely open to sitting down with someone who, you know, was much, much more junior than her at the time. So again, that's something that I really try to remember when I get, you know, requests on LinkedIn or I have students reaching out to me is that take the time for others because you never know what impact and how you can change their life. So um, after this meeting, then the opportunity came up and I moved to Paris in uh, February 2018. The idea as we move up in our careers, people give us a hand up and that as we move higher and up, we always need to reach back and give other people a hand up as well. It reflects on the themes that you've already shared with me about empathy and, and the golden rule and treating others as you would like to be treated and putting people first. But you're finding somebody who is higher up in an organization who is mirroring the skills that you hold to be valuable. And it goes back to choosing a company well. Exactly. Choosing a company well. That seems like an excellent place to put a pin in our conversation. Laura has given us a lot to digest already, from understanding what resonates with you as a vocation, to taking full advantage of opportunities that arise on your journey, something she calls milestone moments. She also surfaces the impacts that other individuals can make on the trajectory of you in your career, 
with small moments of personal attention. Be sure to join us for part two of our conversation. As always, if you enjoyed your time in the Service Center and want to get informed about all our future episodes, be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you download your podcast. It's also really helpful to the show if you leave a review, share your favorite part of an episode, or drop me a message. I'd love to hear from you. The Service Center podcast is hosted and produced by me, William Murray, and our cover art is created by Jack Designs. Thanks for choosing to spend your time here and I invite you back for more guests, stories, and service insights on the next episode of the Service Center.